Welcome, everyone, to an NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz, pleased to be joined by Dr. Brian Hainline, our Chief Medical Officer from the NCAA, Dr. Terry Rauch, and Dr. Paul Pasquina. They are both members of the U.S. Department of Defense research team, among many other accolades in their day jobs, helping all of us uh, be safer, obviously, uh, in the military. Uh, so uh, those that are in the military. So obviously, I uh, want to deep dive into the topic that is very critical here on the eve of the Army-Navy game, which is uh, the defense concussion assessment. The NCAA and the U.S. Department of Defense are working together it's called the CARE Consortium. And I want to get everyone's opinion first before we dive deeper into it. Uh, what is this for those that have not heard of it? Brian, we'll start with you. Well, thanks, Andy. And it's uh, really, really great to be with you, Terry and, and Paul. Um, can't get enough of our meetings together. So, you know, basically, uh, this started off with um, meetings in uh, 2013, and, and there was a really incredible meeting in December 2013, which led to the idea that the NCAA and Department of Defense could come together and work on the issues of concussion, which is a, a, a form of a mild traumatic brain injury, and, and also head impact exposure. And, and the idea was that um, if you looked at the, the mild traumatic brain injuries from our military servicemen and women, especially Iraq and Afghanistan, um, that the majority of those mild traumatic brain injuries happened in a way biomechanically similar to a sport-related concussion. In other words, it wasn't a blast injury, um, even though those certainly occurred. And so um, there, it, it, and, and when you look at our servicemen and women, our collegiate athletes, from a demographics point of view, there are a lot of similarities. They're athletic, they're intelligent, they're goal-seeking, and, you know, really push themselves to the edge of excellence. And, um, and from a sport point of view and from a, a, a military point of view, we really didn't understand concussion that well. We didn't know the natural history of concussion. There were no objective biomarkers for concussion. There were so many unanswered questions. And so we just thought it was a phenomenal opportunity to work in a, in a partnership and, and that has happened. And now flash forward with, you know, the, the concussion assessment and, and, and um, you know, research and education program. We're now going into our eighth year and, and we have the opportunity to extend this really for many years uh, to come. And so um, it, it's been a privilege, it's been a pleasure, and, it, and it's been eye-opening because we've discovered so much. And the NCAA is, is really grateful for the ability to, to work with the Department of Defense with, with health affairs. And um, it, it, it's, it's a partnership that, that means the world to us, but I think also to society. All right, so that's a good baseline. And Dr. Rauch and Dr. Pesquina, I wanna go back to the military side that, that Brian just brought up. You know, I think we obviously in the public space and the sports where we hear so much about concussions, especially on the football field, but from a military perspective, how did the development of understanding concussions develop over time, especially in this last 20 year period with Iraq and Afghanistan? Um, well, I'll, I'll start that off. And then I, I think, uh, you know, Paul can uh, probably add a, a, a bit more technical content. Um, so it, with respect to head injury within the military, um, not only do we think about, you know, the deployed force such as Af uh, Afghanistan and, and, and Iraq, 
but a lot of our our head injuries occur in garrison in you know in training when i say in garrison you know here in the united states as an example and going through uh various types of training um and uh, also you know pick up sports and 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 things like that is where um head injuries will will occur i like to think that over the last uh, eight years, as, as Brian had said, um, the CARE consortium and the principal investigators and the research activities have significantly contributed to the, to the understanding that we have in the whole science of brain injury um, and the factors that promote recovery from injury and actually factors that promote prevention of, of injury. I'll, I'll pause there and, and let um, Paul uh, add some content. Sure, no, I'd be very happy to. So, you know, being a part of this program, this consortium, this study is really meaningful to, uh, to me, um, both personally and professionally. I think we talked before we started filming, but behind me, I think you can see my West Point diploma. And I have to give a shout out for my army team. But you know, as a former member of the uh, you know, army football team, I sustained uh, you know, several concussions myself, as did many of my classmates um, before me and after me. And uh, now on the medical side of things, you know, since 9-11, you know, talking about 20 years of seeing casualties here through Walter Reed uh, and through the Uniformed Services University. I've, uh, I've had, I guess, the privilege, um, but also the responsibility of taking care of numerous service members that have sustained blast-related brain injuries, as well as impact-related brain injuries. And quite frankly, distinguishing the two of those is very difficult because many of the service members that sustain a brain injury or a blast-related event, you know, also struck their head on something or played contact sports or non-contact sports, as Dr. Rausch was just saying, during training sustained some type of uh, concussion. And so being able to partner between the Department of Defense and the NCAA to really, really better understand concussion, um, the symptom, uh, symptoms presented by concussion, the natural course of recovery after concussion, and to start really looking into more detail of the bio uh, in the biological and the physiological effects of concussion has been really exciting. And, and I will just add that in addition to these great organizations, obviously the DOD and the NCAA working together, you know, through this CARE Consortium, we've brought 30 other academic institutions you know, together. So universities across the United States, including the four service academies, all out recruiting athletes from every different sport, whether they're a contact sport, non-contact sport, male, female athletes, and really, really trying to understand concussion so much better. And, and why? Uh, on the DOD side is because we really care about the health of our young men and women that are wearing the uniform and defending this nation. And on the NCAA side, you know, they really do care about the health and welfare of their athletes, not just for the short term while they're at the university, but for their long term as well.
So I want to get to that in a moment. But the, one of the thing, the narrative that I'd love to hear from all three of you, because I do think there's a real strong similarity between the military, and, and I can't speak obviously from experience, I did not serve, but in the athletic field. But I think Dr. Uh, Pasquino, I want to start with you. And then if Dr. Rauch and, and Dr. Hanlon can add on, because you have a unique experience because you both played a quarterback position or position on the field, obviously with Army, and now are in the medical field. But that attitude of tough it out. You know, what'd you get your bell rung? Um, you know, you're fine. You, you know, get back out there, get back out on the field, get back out to whatever your duty is, your training, you're okay. At what point did that change over the last 20 years where, no, it's not okay to get right back out there, even if you get your bell rung? Dr. Pasquino? No, no, I really appreciate that. And that's probably if we had one single message, that would be the primary message that, you know, everybody recovers at a different rate. And what we've learned is this traditional, oh, you'll get better in five days or one week or two weeks. Those are arbitrary numbers. And what we've discovered with this highly, highly motivated group of athletes, cadets, midshipmen, that are absolutely going to return as soon as possible. Only about 80%, well, I would say on a positive side, about 80% will be better within you know, two to three weeks. But the flip side of that is 20% will have persistent symptoms. So this idea of you're not, it's been a week and you're not better, what's wrong with you, has been a real paradigm shift in the care of of individuals with brain injury. And we do hope, you know, while we have 30 institutions across the NCAA partnering and working on this study, the knowledge gained through this study is hopefully feeding out to all other universities, including, uh, you know, club sports, high school sports, peewee sports, uh, and across all different uh, um, uh, athletic events and non-athletic events, because that's a really important message to get out there. Because then the athlete or the individual starts thinking something's wrong with me, you know, as opposed to, no, this is the normal course of recovery for some people. Um, well, I'll, uh, I'll say that uh, one of the highlights, I think, of the potential of our care consortium is um, the longitudinal aspect of, of, of this. Because what we have to realize and what we're trying to understand is that head injuries that occur at a certain point of time um, may have a consequence later on in life and may place individuals at risk for certain types of neurodegenerative um, uh, disorders. These are things that we, that we need to understand. When we put service members in harm's way, whether it be training or deployment, and they suffer injuries, such as head injuries and repeated head, head injuries over the course of the time they, they serve, we need to understand how that may affect them later on in life, even if they're off active duty and, and become a part of the VA system, we still have an obligation to understand uh, any harm or any consequence of, of serving and later effects on their, on their health and, and lifestyles. Um, so I'll pause there and um, turn it over to Brian. 
Well, thanks, Terry. And you know, you know, going back to your question, Andy and um, and 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 Paul, how you were discussing this. So when I when I was in medical school, even during my neurology residency, our, our neurology textbooks essentially treated concussion as an inconsequential issue, and it was the same way it was often being uh, managed a, a, across the the sports world and even in, in society. Well, yeah, you did have your bell rung, but there wasn't this appreciation that that you know maybe it, it, it's something beyond that. And and I think by really analyzing the length of time it takes someone not only to recover from a symptom point of view, but what's really interesting about about the care study uh, is is that there are six sites that are doing highly advanced research. So in brain imaging and blood biomarkers, genetic markers, uh, geno, uh, genotype markers. And, and we're starting to define not just symptomatic recovery, but biological recovery or physiological, as, as Paul had said earlier. And so as we gather that information and, and, and we're able to, to talk about it across the spectrum, you know, for, for males and females, we have very little data on, on female concussions prior to the study and across all 24 sports. We are understanding, as Paul said, that individuality of recovery respecting that and and just by doing the study and getting that information we've actually changed the perceived norms of of, of concussion safety that there is much more of a an awareness of that of a respect for that and and allowing every individual to recover at a, at a manner that makes sense for him or her you know one one anecdote i want to point out that i was thrilled to hear about uh, about a week or so ago uh jaime Hawkins from ucla smacked his head during a game and he was actually cleared to go back into the second half. But in the post-game news conference, UCLA head coach Mick Cronin said, with, with, he wasn't deemed to have a concussion, but any kind of head injury, you don't know until maybe hours later uh, if something could be wrong. So he did not put him back in the game in the second half. Uh, and, you know, it was actually it was a game against Colorado. Uh, now, he did not have a concussion. He's fine. But I thought that was great by a head coach to take a step back and say, no, 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 no. I don't know what's going to happen here with a potential head injury. I'm going to pause and not rush him back in, even if he's been approved to go in. I hope more coaches react like that. So I want to also dive deeper into the actual care consortium here. Um, the six-month natural history and neurobiology of acute concussion and head impact exposure, H-I-E. We love acronyms here. What were the key findings um, from this phase? Uh, Paul, if you want to take it. Yeah, sure. I, um, it's kind of hard to, you know, in a short segment of time, talk about all the details of the findings. But I think the first is, you know, just really understanding this natural history of concussion, understanding that, you know, up to 20% of folks that sustain a concussion may have symptoms beyond 28 days. And I think that that is really eye-opening for a lot of the folks based on what we just got through uh, talking about. Um, the other thing that we notice is, is that early recognition of a concussion and early uh, getting out of the, the sport can, can actually get you back to play sooner. So recovery is actually enhanced by early recognition, detection, and early treatment. You know, in addition to that, you know, we've learned uh, things such as um, early initiation of return to aerobic conditioning is actually beneficial. So the idea of after having a brain injury, going into this dark closet and not doing anything or not 
you know, stimulating the brain is actually negative uh, as opposed to even while somebody still may be having some symptoms, they can start a gradual return to exercise. A lot of athletic trainers and sports medicine physicians were doing that early. The military has now adapted that into policy and is pushing that information out. And I guess, you know, just to summarize all of these findings and go back to what you were saying, in addition to informing coaches, which I know Dr. Hainline has done a ton of work informing leadership throughout the NCAA, including coaches, we've done a similar thing in terms of uh, um, educating our squad leaders, our company commanders, our brigade commanders, our squadron commanders. And the fortunate thing about working with the service academies is by every cadet or midshipman being involved in this concussion study makes them aware of the importance of recognizing concussion in the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines that they will lead in the future. So we really think it has a stronger impact than just the science. So where I was gonna jump in, I'm glad I didn't, uh, because I was just curious, Dr. Rauch, if you can just piggyback off of that, that I do think there's a lot of unknown on the recovery aspect. You know, you have an ACL, we know what you're gonna do to get that knee better. Uh, you know, certain uh, orthopedic things sure. we fully grasp. Uh, what, what are the sort of the basics of recovering from a concussion, both for the military and for an athlete? Yeah, so, I mean, what, one of the things that, that I think about a lot um, with regard to the CARE Consortium and the, and the research opportunities um, as we continue to proceed through the consortium program of work and some of the things that we're already finding now, um, for example, is concerning sleep. I mean, we know that um, with, with concussion, um, some individuals have, uh, have sleep uh, difficulty. We're just now understanding, when I say now, over the last five to 10 years, we're just now understanding the importance of, of, of sleep and the ability of during sleep, um, you know, sort of cleansing our brain. Uh, when we sleep, it triggers some things that we call in the lymphatic system um, in which we basically take the garbage out at night. Um, and all of the, you know, all of the metabolic activity that occurs um, during, the, during our waking day, um, during sleep, that's, that presents the opportunity for the brain through the lymphatic system to kind of cleanse itself. Now we know that with certain types of brain injury, it may impede that ability. So imagine, um, you know, not taking the garbage out of your kitchen for a week or a month, um, not a very satisfactory or, or healthy environment. So we're, we're just now starting to understand the importance of head, head injury uh, and sleep hygiene to, um, you know, to certain brain function and the importance of sleep in all of that. And right, let's go there. off to the next, now the $42.6 million award to launch the next phase. What does that mean? Well, I'll start from our, our point of view, but I, point of view, but I think uh, Paul can really elaborate on this. So, um, 
you know, care, uh, as Paul said, it's 30 schools. And, and, and one thing that's really interesting for the 30 schools, it's all of the NCAA athletes, but at the service academies, it's every cadet, even those that are not NCAA athletes. And so then there became this unique opportunity to follow the service academy cadets long-term and from a military specific point of view, even utilizing their military records, which is very different than the NCAA student athletes who could go off in, in, in hundreds of, of, of different directions. And so, you know, to look at care and follow these athletes out long-term and then uh, the, the service academy cadets, something called SALTOS, so the service academy longitudinal traumatic brain injury outcome study, they really are done in parallel now. So we have these two groups, but they're interdigitating along the way. And so we have the, you know, the, the six month study, and then we have the two to four year study. And now we can go beyond to 10 years and hopefully even 15, 20 years and, and really understand for the first time in history, long-term what really is happening. So, so this is an, an incredibly exciting for everyone and, and, and was recently announced. You know, one topic, I just want to put a bow on this conversation, which I think is obviously incredibly important for everyone, uh, regardless of what you do. Um, how do you think this study and what we're discussing here will affect the manner in which sports are played? And I'm just also interested uh, to sort of put a bow on this on the way it's conducted in the training aspect uh, for the for the academies. Um, let's just go around a room and, and Brian, I'll give you the last word. So we'll go Dr. Roach. Rauch, Dr. Pasquina, and then you, Dr. Hainline. First, uh, we in the Department of Defense are very, very proud of the relationship that we have with the N N NCAA and uh, with the CARE Consortium. Um, I, I want to build on this and, and leverage off of CARE, which is all about what we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes, head injury and, and recovery and prevention. But there are so many other things that we can do um, with the NCAA and, and through uh, mechanisms such as the care consortium to, to look at you know, lifestyles and performance, diet and nutrition, sleep hygiene, and, and these are things that are that we're concerned about in military life, and 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 also um, the NCAA is concerned about um, in in the lifestyle of, of students. We share these, and I think there's just a tremendous opportunity for us to partner again um, to help solve some of these other problems. And I'll pause there. Yeah, so um, over to me, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I can't close without, uh, you know, thanking my partners and co-principal uh, investigators, Dr. McAllister, Dr. McCray, Dr. From, uh, Dr. Prolio from Indiana University, University of Michigan, and Medical College of Wisconsin. Just amazing, uh, you know, individuals, professionals, and scientists that are, uh, you know, uh, leaders in the field of concussion and brain injury research. Uh, as well as all, obviously, the, uh, the professional staff at the NCAA sites, at the uh, military academy sites that are taking care of our, our uh, you know, men and women uh, that are having injuries. 
Um, so from the medics that are overseas, the corpsmen that are on ships that are saving lives, you know, it's just such an honor to kind of represent them. So I appreciate the opportunity to just say that. There's a lot we still don't know about brain injury. Uh, this partnership is, is definitely helping us understand a lot more. Um, there is a lot of concern, obviously, over the long-term impact or, uh, or long-term potential negative effects of concussion and repetitive head impact exposure. We just don't know. And how do we balance the positive aspects of sport participation, which are well-documented, with the potential negative aspects of concussion, repeated concussion or repetitive head impact exposure? Understanding that causal relationship and maybe being able to detect earlier those individuals that might be at a higher risk for long-term problems is really what we're at here. Uh, and, uh, and so we hope, you know, with this additional funding, we'll be able to look at those uh, uh, intermediate and longer-term effects of concussion. You know, for Dr. Roche, the idea of, of collaborating uh, along other lines, I mean, that, that it, it, it would be ideal, I, I think, for the NCAA to, to have the honor of partnering with the Department of Defense. And, and I think it, it, you know, it ends up being a benefit for society and that, that's what's, what's really gratifying about it. You know, just one a concrete example, uh, Andy, of, of how policy can be changed. There was a paper published um, from the CARE Consortium that, that had to do with the football preseason practice. And, and it looked at various things that happen in the preseason and, and especially like repetitive head impacts and, and concussion and um, it actually those that paper was published and within a very short period of time working with the football oversight committee and and the division governance structure they put in place a, a change in how the preseason is conduct, conducted you know repetitive head impact it's a it's a relatively recent term and we still don't understand exactly what that means but as we're getting more insight into it we can start changing um, you know, the practice schedule and, and, and what we're doing so, so, so that uh, it, it might make more sense based on the data that are starting to come out. So um, it, it's always side by side, you know, it's not that every paper leads to a policy change because you, you need to understand, well, what's, what's the prevailing consensus and what does this really mean? But sometimes there's a paper that, that is just so striking that you make a policy change. And that, that was an example in the spring paper that looked at preseason football. So um, last word, finally, uh, uh, echo the, the sentiments of thanking not only our four principal investigators, but all the investigators, boots on the ground. And, and again, really, really, really gratifying to work with the Department of Defense, our member schools, and, um, and to have the support to do so. What's great about this discussion is it once again shows all the tremendous work, research that is done behind the scenes uh, in this instance with the NCAA and the Department of Defense that a lot of the general public and even those in the membership really don't grasp how important this topic and others like it are. So I really appreciate obviously the time that you have given to us and what you're doing that we're not seeing in the public space. Dr. Terry Rauch, Dr. Paul Pasquina from the Department of Defense research team and everything that you're doing just on a daily basis in your day jobs. And of course, Dr. Brian Hainline, the NCAA chief medical officer. Thank you to all of you. Stay safe as, as hopefully everyone else is. And as everyone out there, as always, you can check out our social series at ncaa.org slash social series because all of them are archived right there. Thanks for watching, everyone.